across the UK. Overnight with Martin Kelman. There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars and a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico You got to be in so much to see in Mexico Yeah, so we're going now to uh, Campeche, Mexico and uh, it's a warm welcome to John Bonfilio. Uh, John, thanks uh, ever so much for joining us. No problem, Martin. Good evening. Good evening, good evening, good evening. We start with the story of it. It was in the papers in the UK as well. This uh, Venezuelan prison run by the inmates like a small town, complete with a zoo, a, di- a disco and a swimming pool. Um, tell me all about it, how this, I mean, how it, how it got to be like this uh, and what the authorities are doing about it. What the authorities are doing about it, very much in inverted commas. This is the Tocoron prison in Aragua in, in Venezuela. I know England has been having some prison trouble recently, uh, Martin, but that is child's play compared to what goes on in Latin American jails. Uh, and yeah, in this particular prison, uh, housing the hugely powerful Tren de Aragua, uh, transnational criminal organization or gang, if you like in layman's terms, prisons, uh, prisoners for years, not just recently, years have been roaming freely between the spa, multiple pools, gym, restaurants, nightclubs, and as you said before, <laughs> all, because always, you know, as we've spoken about before on your show, the predilection for gangsters and exotic animals is uh, second to none. And of mm. course, you know, the prison had a zoo also, uh, as well as uh, other facilities. And not just that, it also didn't just house the criminals, but housed, in many cases, their entire families. It was more like an exclusive mountain spa than a prison. <laughs> and also, it also served, of course, the headquarters of this, uh, the Tren gang. As so often happens, uh, you begin to imprison some of the members of a cartel or a gang, but then they take over the the prison, make it a, a base for their activities, which they don't even have to pay for because the government is paying for it. And on top of it, a recruitment center. So anybody who gets sent to prison near or, or in that particular jail then forcibly gets recruited into uh, into the organization. And on the face of it, this story is the Venezuelan government had enough of this. And so they sent, because this is how many, prisoners, how many soldiers it takes to fix a problem like this, 11,000 soldiers this week to clear the prison to make sure that nobody escaped. Um, very much a show of strength, the taking of control of the of the situation. Uh, but uh, there is some subtext because the question that everybody's asking on the ground in Venezuela is how come this was so peaceful? Because ordinarily, when uh, the police or the military go into a Latin American prison, there are scores and scores of dead uh, because these gangs are, of course, if they live. Uh, at their own rule of law within the within the prison, they also are armed to the teeth. So how is there mm. possibly not a single shot fired within this? And it seems as though because the uh, the main man, El Nino Guerrero, the child warrior, has not been located in the prison, that they were tipped off and all escaped into the hills before it took place and potentially was even a pact with the Venezuelan government where they felt they had to do something but warned uh, the gang uh, first off. So... As always, something of a PR exercise in which, uh, in terms of uh, the detention of criminal activity, not very much at all has been achieved.
Blimey. Uh, and in, in other Venezuelan prison news, the infamous Helicoide prison in Caracas had uh, ex-inmates come together uh, to develop a tour designed to showcase the abuses which take place. So it sounds to me like this is the sort of exact opposite of the yeah. uh, Tocoron prison. That's exactly what I was going to say, Martin, because the Tocoron prison is a criminal prison. It, it houses... Uh, gangs and, and ne'er-do-wells, but El Helicoide in Caracas actually um, housed, uh, has continues to house political prisoners. And that's where uh, the Maduro regime has thrown all of its resources. This is a, a prison in uh, Caracas in, in the capital of Venezuela, which has become infamous, not just for the detention, but also for the torture of political prisoners who've been opposing the Maduro, uh, the uh, current and seemingly never-ending Maduro regime, which was originally constructed as a shopping mall in the 50s, was meant to house something in the region of 300 boutiques, eight cinemas and a five star hotel. And it was reacquired. It never came to completion. It was reacquired by the Venezuelan government in the in the 70s, who decided to install their uh, intelligence services there. And then they gradually built up from the bottom upwards, literally um, a, a prison there. And this under the Maduro regime has grown and grown and grown and has become one of the most terrifying prisons um, in in the region, not just because of what it has, but also because of the the arbitrary detention of political uh, opponents. And now some ex inmates, political prisoners who uh, who were released, have developed um, in a really bizarre turn of uh, I guess of of incidents a virtual reality tour from memory, but also from real recordings to show the outside world the sheer horror of this uh, sort of panopticon prison. In the cent- on, a, on a small hill in the centre of Caracas. You can put on your virtual reality headset, as actually have a number of global leaders um, in, internationally to, to get a sense of what's taking, the abuses that are taking place in, in Venezuela. And you can hear authentic screams, cries of pain. Uh, you can walk through cramped cells and, and dark hallways, all, and occasionally punctuated by the sound of electric shocks. Uh, but yeah, all are real sounds which are taken uh, secretly on mobile phones in in the prisons by inmates that are now in exile abroad. I mean, completely horrific in terms of, you know, what goes on at this particular place in the centre of the capital. Yeah. I'll tell you what I thought when it said a tour, I thought it would be, this is a VR, virtual reality tour. Um, But it's obviously uh, a bit of a literal on the uh, on the email here because it says uh, it's an HR tour, which is uh, HR is human resources. So it's a sort of (laughs) it's a slightly different, uh, a different thing. But as you say, even a, you know, a virtual reality tour sounds absolutely horrendous. Um, But we can balance it by saying what a beautiful country, despite all its problems and the cartels and the drugs that we've talked about and the uh, inflation, which is it always seems to be at an immense level. Um, it's a very, you know, naturally, it's a very beautiful country, Venezuela. Yeah. And if you if you think about the inflation, which is the economic problems that have beset Venezuela for the last 10 or 15 years um, in the 70s, it was the fifth richest economy uh, on Earth, it's one of those countries, a bit like Zimbabwe, that it's not just what has happened to it, but it's uh, the height from which from which it has fallen. It was always historically one of Latin America's most stable economies, and for sure, as you say, one of its most you know one of its most beautiful countries. And I, I regard it 
as one of the most beautiful countries I have ever been to. It has stunning mountain landscapes, um, Caribbean islands, beaches, lakes, rivers. It has, um, you can probably imagine it because if you think about, um, Arthur Conan Doyle's A Lost World, they have sort of these huge, um, jungle messes, uh, plateaus that rise up out of the uh, jungle like big stone tables, um, that are unique and was what apparently Conan Doyle's, uh, book was, was, was based on and, uh, or the location that it was based on and, the most beautiful, friendly people you will you will ever come across, which stands in stark contrast, of course, to you know the, the contemporary difficulties that the country, uh, sadly, tragically, is is experiencing. Yeah, I, does it, do a lot of tourists go there from uh, well, a from other parts of uh, Latin America, but b from uh, the UK or the United States? No, they don't. They don't at the moment. No, this is one of those places that at some point. There will be when things change, there will be a, a massive boom and Venezuela will be the, the hottest new place because at the moment there is scant tourism uh, there at all. You have to really want to go there in order to uh, to go there. And for sure, last time I was there uh, not that long ago, um, there was definitely not much of an influx of uh, of, uh, of foreigners. And, and those that were were going were going for uh, particular reasons, definitely not tourism. Right. Uh, and um, tell me about this uh, painter, uh, Fernando Botero, um, who's, uh, well, he's died and uh, is much lamented. Yeah, he's, he's one of these, um, I mean, he died this week, age 91, painter and sculptor, um, certainly one of Latin America's most famous artists, certainly Colombia's uh, most famous contemporary well, not so, not contemporary now, but you may not, I, th I think listeners may not know the name, but for sure they'll know his figures. They're kind of oversized, uh, exaggerated. Some have become internet, uh, memes now. And it's a really highly recognizable work that's held internationally in museums, um, absolutely everywhere where uh, he, he was always at a pain to say he doesn't draw fat people. He draws the sort of volume in, um, in people that he sees in people. Um, but they are very, very distinct. Uh, to, to other works of art and instantly uh, recognizable, but for sure also an, an artist that had a uh, um, a colorful life as they often do, and perhaps the the high point of which uh, was that one of his works he was so important that Pablo Escobar in 1995 actually bombed one of his works of art um, in Medellin, killing 30 and injuring 200, and nice. continues to be really important in, in Colombia. His museum in in Bogota is one of the most uh, visited in the in the capital. Yeah, hugely important figure that has been lost to uh, to the to, to the culture, uh, to the contemporary culture of Latin America. Yeah, and just to, just finish with uh, Jenny Hermoso, who was the um, who was the Spanish footballer who was um, who was kissed on the lips by uh, Rubiales, and uh, we all know that story that was running for a few weeks. Um, she's returned to her team, which is, I mean, obviously she's an international playing for the, uh, for the Spanish uh, women's team, but her actual club side is, uh, Pachuca in the Mexican yep. women's football league. I never knew that. She's returned there. Yep. City, northeast of Mexico City, uh, in the Liga MX, uh, Femenil, the highest division of women's football in Mexico, which actually only started in 2016, based on some of the successes of the Women's World Cups and also the, uh, the, the leagues in, in the USA. A strong league, but generally without global superstars until Jenny Hermoso signed for Pachuca in June 2022, uh, which was then considered to be the most important signing the league had 
uh, had ever made. And yeah, she, she's she's back here at the moment questioning uh, why she wasn't selected, of course, for the national Spanish side, uh, mm. saying because they said obviously they hadn't selected her to protect her, and she's made a, a big thing of saying, but to protect her from what? Pachuca, from a British perspective, is interesting because of its mining history. Cornish miners came over in the early 19th century uh, to mine gold and silver uh, at the time, and um, and they were the ones that brought football over to to, uh, to Mexico in the first place. To the extent that you still, in some uh, of the outskirts of of Pachuca, the city, in little towns like Real del Monte and Mineral del Chico, you can still get uh, t- really small sort of Cornish pasties with spicy fillings. Amazing. Well, there you are. You always come up with something that's uh, that's going to startle us um, and, you know, possibly keep us awake. Um, as always, John, thank you ever so much. Do appreciate it. And we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. No problem, Martin. Take care. There we go. Uh, John Bonfilio joining us from uh, Campeche in uh, Mexico. Talk.